this retro thing for what it is Nostalgia goggles heavy on those things when we were kids I've got the memories of falling while my hair is turning gray I'm digging back on all the things that were better yesterday So for all those things nostalgic I also do is delight Kim, it's Good Friday. Yes. The goodest Friday. The best. Oh, I guess it's not the best Friday if it's just the Good Friday. Yeah, there's probably a better one somewhere. I don't know which one it is. I guess if like Christmas falls on a Friday. Oh, yeah. That's the best Friday. Yeah. We're (laughs) losing a lot of people right now already. uh, It's 930 in the morning on Good Friday. And there's only one thing that you can do and it's probably being done all over the world right now by all kinds of people you get online and you talk about the 2005 michael keaton thriller white noise yes so happy white noise day to everybody uh i hope you are having a good white noise friday as well and that your podcasts are gonna turn out just as well as i'm sure this one is kim's here we are the white noise i just realized if people are listening to us, we would be speaking to them from the beyond. That's true. This movie, this movie is already a, now a four star. You made it that much more relevant and better. What is it at now? Is it's got a bad rating? I checked online. It's pretty bad. It's not as bad as you would think for mid two thousands horror movie. It's I am it's above a five. Which I is thought you were going to say it's not as bad as you would think, given that it's shit. <laughs> <laughs> also, there's kind of maybe that. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you had no history with this movie. I remember seeing um, I remember seeing ads for it and being terrified. Okay. Uh, That's something. And, but uh, this was like back in the day before I've seen even one scary movie. Like the scariest part of a movie I've ever seen was still The Lion King when um, Simba's dad dies. That was That's it. Still a, that's still a scary part, though. Yeah, and that was so the scariest thing that I've ever seen in a movie. So this movie kind of does seem like it's designed to be some like everyone, your first horror movie. And that that's the (sighs) only way it could really be effective. I thought the plot wasn't a thriller or or a horror movie, but I did think if I was watching this in the cinema, it would get some jump scares from me just because of the sounds. Yeah, it would. Uh, And it did. I guess my history with White Noise is it came out January 2005. Uh, It was right when second year of college, when we all got back from Christmas holiday and we're all back together because I lived in a house with four other people. Oh, and God. we were like, oh, let's go have a let's go have a night out. Let's go to a, let's go to a movie. And we're like, well, let's go see White Noise. Go see a horror movie. And I don't know if they like, a couple people who I lived with would have would have I still keep in contact with. And maybe they listened. So maybe they can message me and confirm. But my memory is that we liked it. And I know I bought the DVD. By the time it came out, it was the semester was done. So I was back at home. And I went and I bought the DVD and I was like, oh, there's a Michael Keaton commentary track. That's amazing. But only in Canada because it's a Canadian movie. What? So I was all, you know, feeling the that great, uh, the great white North pride that we got a Michael Keaton commentary track that those suckers in America didn't get. 
And Michael Keaton had never given commentary before. So I was like, this is truly something special. And I had people over and we did a double bill of white noise and the grudge. And I remember like, this is going to the white noise. This is a good movie. And I haven't seen it since. And then so I, I figured, hey, let's do white noise because, you know, we're introducing you to a bunch of horror movies. Mm. And then we did. And it's bad. It's so bad. There was a point I was where I kind of sad about like this is one of the bigger examples of something that I remember liking and watched it again and went, why? What? This this was there was a point where it got painful to keep watching. Like I was counting down the minutes, and it's not a long movie. It's no, a it's 90 like minute 90 movie. Minutes. <laughs> There's a sequel, and I bought it at the same time that I bought this. Uh, I had seen the sequel too. I didn't watch it for this. And after I watched, I originally was thinking, oh, it could be fun to do both. And then I watched the first one and went, I'm not going to make her watch two of these. <laughs> that would be horrible. So I was pretty I'm confident once of, I finished it that you weren't going to like it either. So I'm kind of curious to know where they go because they leave it with a cliffhanger in the worst possible way. And then, yeah, I saw an, I was watching this through Amazon Prime and Amazon Prime was like, I'm not even going to charge you to watch this movie. <laughs> And for horror movies and thrillers, they usually make you pay for it. We're Amazon and we charge for everything. And even we know that you should get white noise for free. <laughs> but I did see that they had the second one. And I was a little bit curious just to like read what the plot could be. But so the sequel, I've talked about this before. It came out, uh, at, I think, around the time I was working in a video store. And one of the big things that was happening around that time was in name only sequels, where a sequel would come out to a movie like, Roadhouse or Basic Instinct. Actually, Sharon mm. Stone did come back for that. Single white <laughs> female, uh, American Psycho, White Noise. And it was called you know, Such and Such 2, but it was really a completely different group of characters and actors and sometimes even the same plot. No. It was almost like a low, you remember that movie Be Kind Rewind? It was almost like that, where it was just I, a group of people trying to make the same movie, but with way less money. Except that movie is extraordinary and very wholesome. Yeah, that's a great movie. Be Kind Rewind is actually something we should probably do on this podcast because yeah. I haven't seen it since theaters and I remember really liking it. And it's really uplifting. It's really it beautiful. Is, which we could use right now because White Noise is just a depressing 90 minute slog of sad. Um, it's a depressing 90 minute slog of only women dying and then maybe yeah. one dude. <laughs> and then one dude at the end for reasons I'm not even clear on other than here's a sad yeah. ending. It's like, why? Anyway, yeah, spoilers for White Noise. <laughs> uh, there's not even that much plot to set up. Michael mm -mm. Keaton is playing a guy with a name. Gary? Yeah. Is it Gary? It's, it's John Gary. Rivers. John Rivers. Which I thought was hilarious because his new wife who dies early on in the movie her name is anna rivers and then i laughed because i'm like it's funny that she dies in a river <laughs> i mean what else did she expect <laughs> was that supposed to like be that? symbolism for us or was somebody just like whoa that worked Pro out <laughs> probably that's the kind of level of symbolism this movie would go for it's like having a character named betty murder and then she gets murdered <laughs> get it yeah so they're married all we know about them as a couple is that they're they seem happy. She's probably pregnant, and Michael Keaton likes her ass. She is pregnant. They announced okay. it. Yeah, and he and right there, you know, she's done because she announced like I'm pregnant. Oh my god, babe, that's amazing. 
And then later he's watching a video where he's filming her butt and going, look at that butt. So like, there's a little more character development. Santa's got a nice butt. He was, she's, I mean, all of the women in this film are very beautiful. Um, I was trying to figure out if I had seen them anywhere before. And I think I've seen a few of them. I think I, I knew, saw Anna Rivers. I knew um, one of them from the Silent Hill movie. So that was exciting for me to see her pop up. The one who was the, God, I already forget. She was like the one who he pals around with. Like the one who's Tate. also kind of. Somebody Tate. Uh, that sounds right. Sarah Tate. Yep. Mm-hmm. This is uh, like well, the one time I have the names ready. Yeah, good Because there was job. nothing else to do. So I was just looking up names instead of watching the movie. Uh, but we're jumping ahead a little bit. So she dies. Uh, mm. And it's, it's you know, hypothetically sad. But she's been on camera for 45 seconds. So. But she dies in like a horror. Because I didn't know. Like, I didn't even expect that she was going to die. Like, there's a really awkward exchange at the beginning where she's taking the the kid Michael Keaton's kid from his previous marriage to school and she backs out of the laneway and they're doing the, I love you. Goodbye. And Michael Keaton's like, I can't hear you. But Michael Keaton has already said to her, I'll see you in a few days, even though we only know that she's taking the kid to school. So I was very confused. Like how long is the school day going to last? And then suddenly school in 2005 was intense. (laughs) You just went on Monday and stayed till Friday. You just stayed. No, that it was such a confusing moment. And then I didn't understand the dialogue. I didn't understand the connection between these people. And then suddenly she's dead. Fittingly, we talked about this in the Bye Bye Man episode where around this time they would take movies, film them as R-rated, and then edit them in post to be PG-13. And they would end up being kind of incoherent. I don't know that that happened here. I have no evidence. But it sometimes does feel like a movie filmed to be r cut down to a PG, and as a result, like, especially the ending, we're like, what the fuck is going on? What is happening? Why would they make it PG, though, just because they assumed the Batman kids would be coming out to see Michael Keaton? Well, in the States, you can't get into an R-rated movie unless you're, I think it's you have to be with someone who's 17, or I forget the rules down there. Up here, it's a little more lax, I think. But it was oh, basically yeah. just they wanted a bigger audience. So if they made it rated R, you can't get the 13-year-olds who would come to a horror movie on opening night and go, ah, oh, this is the scariest thing I've ever seen. Let's make out. So they wanted that money. <laughs> and I know it works because I worked at a movie theater when the Prom Night remake came out. And the Prom Night remake is one of the worst things I've ever seen. But mm. we would still have people coming out of that movie or, you know, 12, 13 going, Oh my God, that was a scary. We might be, you know, I don't think it's a secret that we worked there together. Uh, were you there the night that we actually had to calm a girl down because she came out of the prom night screening and was just like, like just absolutely freaking out. So we had to be like, it's okay. Like, we'll get you some water, take a seat. I don't know if I was there, but I remember people telling me about this. And yeah. I felt so bad for her. Me too. Like, if you can't deal with this, you're done. Yeah. This is a, the pro- okay, slight tangent. The Prom Night remake <laughs> is a movie where the main character is backing up. And behind her, you see a lamp. And you go, you're going to back up into that lamp. Because I have eyes and I can see it. And then she does. And the music has the audacity to go (laughs) as she freaks out because she bumped into the lamp. But it's like, we all saw it for a while before she backed into it. You can't do that. 
Although white noise tries to do a lot of this. Well, no, white noise is big on white noise has one trick up its sleeve. And again, we're skipping ahead because we haven't explained what, what the white noise part of the plot is, but it has one trick up its sleeve staring at a television full of white noise, which for if anyone in this modern age who has never experienced white noise, which I'm realizing in this moment is potentially a lot of people Yeah, in this era of streaming. There's no reason for people to even know what white noise is. White noise is essentially static on your television, like or if radio. a channel or radio, like yeah. if you're not getting reception or I think maybe if a channel has gone off, you know, this used to be a thing boys and girls, television would stop. You'd watch it till about 2 a.m. And then the American flag would come on and it would say, this concludes our broadcast day. Thank you very much. And then there was just no TV for like six hours. And then you woke up and it was back and someone was trying to, you know, sell you an exercise ball or some juicer. (laughs) But that's a thing that used to happen. Yep. I remember Uh, the first time I stayed up late enough for the channel to end. And I was like, whoa. I don't know what to do with my life now. (laughs) Yep. It's like, I guess I go to bed. The world has told me it's time to go to bed. It has run out of entertainment for me. (laughs) So it's just time to go to sleep. So that's what white noise is. So in this movie, uh, so his wife has died. Some time has passed. And this dude approaches Michael Keaton on the street and says, hey, I'm getting messages from your wife. I study white noise. Because sometimes dead people try to communicate to us through white noise. And I'm getting some messages from your wife. And Michael Keaton says, that is, that is dumb and no. <laughs> exactly like that. In verbatim from the film. <laughs> I mean, it's not that much worse than the dialogue <laughs> they probably wrote. Uh, but then he kind of starts to fall down that rabbit hole. The guy brings him over to his, you know, his lab or whatever we want to call it and says, hey, uh, let's throw my phone away so people don't have to hear notifications. Uh, I, and then he starts to become obsessed with this idea of communicating with his wife uh, through the white noise. So he's well, that's constantly... where he meets um, he meets the Tate. What's her name? Sarah Tate. That's where Sarah he meets Tate. her. Yeah, she's, she's trying to communicate with her fiance or husband. Fiance or husband, I forget which. Yeah, and the it's... dude who approaches him is also he got into it because his son had died early on in life and he was suicidal i love how they add that part i was suicidal until i heard my son's voice through the white noise and you're like oh okay that wouldn't fix me that would lead to like more therapy yep that would be way worse yeah and they always have these important messages whereas i would love a version of the movie where they just gave you the most innocuous dumb posts like hey there's so many sandwiches here it's like oh cool the afterlife has a bunch of sandwiches (laughs) <laughs> you can eat all the garlic bread you want and you never get sick oh man just an uplifting white noise where they just find out like all the cool answers to what's out there but instead there's this plot makes no sense so there's evil people in the white noise too okay i'm actually i want to hear your explanation of this because i don't think i fully understood this part i don't think the movie does either so <laughs> There are, it's explained that every now and then he sees three evil shadow people. And I think the movie posits that they don't like that he's doing this. Like the- They are part of a bigger plan, though. They're instructing a live person to go out and kill 
people. So they don't like that he's doing this because then he discovers who's going to die. Like the wife is showing him. I don't know. The whole the second half of the movie takes a whole different turn where the wife pops up to say, go, go now. And then yeah. Michael Keaton has to save somebody who the three evil men want dead. Yeah. The first half of the movie kind of had me where it's just like a lot of there's some creepy imagery mm-hmm. with the, the white noise. I mean, it is a lot of Michael. Like I said, it has one trick up its sleeve where there's static on the screen. And occasionally Michael Keaton will be like leaning in to be like, what's the static on the screen? And then like a screaming face will appear and the music will go, and you'll go, Fuck! <laughs> but that's kind of all it has. I thought you were going to say the telephone. The telephone is used a lot to just start ringing all of a sudden. It does. Yeah, it pulls that. There's like a couple bits where like a, a little like the three people will kind of statically appear in the room behind him. And you're like, that's something because at least the music didn't make a thing. It's just like, oh, shit, there's something there. I yeah. think it could have done a little bit, but also how are they doing that? How are they appearing ecstatic in the house? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't line up with everything else that we've been told, but also the first half of the movie is a lot of him. Like he's been just, he just records the white noise all day and then comes home and watches it. His son, it, 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 there doesn't need to even be a son in this movie. No. It is so not important because you think the son's going to be at home with him being like, what's wrong with dad? And like, see, like, oh, I'm trying to talk to your mom. Like he just basically at right as soon as he starts doing all this, just goes to his sister and says, take my kid. And then you <laughs> never see the kid again, the rest of the movie. That was his sister. I thought that was his previous wife. Oh, I guess that would make more sense. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. This changes everything. <laughs> You're right. No, it is his previous wife. Cause at the end of the movie there, she's like with her husband and the kid. And- oh Yeah. That whole scene. I actually like that that they they wrote in that they're divorced, but they're not like they're more amicable, like they're not fighting with each other. I thought that was kind of a refreshing little plot twist for the 2000s. Yeah, but they don't really and I don't know if this is a bad thing or not, but they don't really delve too much into he's become obsessed with the white noise. Like, oh, it's affecting his family, his family relationships and his work relationships. Yeah. Really? And it kind of it posits that he's been doing it a lot and for a while. Um, and then, yeah, in the back half, things take a turn. He finds the professor guy who introduced him to all this dead. I don't think we ever find out what happened. He just rolls in and the guy's dead on yeah. the floor. Well, he gets these messages. Like, it turns out, like, right before that guy dies, um, like Michael Keaton is listening to it's the first time he visits the guy and he's listening to the white noise and the guy's just, I love this dialogue. He's just like, Oh, I have to go away for a minute. And you're like, <laughs> is he going to the bathroom? <laughs> like, why does he suddenly, and then he comes back with champagne for both of them <laughs> unexplained, but in his brief absence, that's when Michael Keaton hears the yelling and the screaming and the guy just comes in and goes, oh, there are there are bad things that happen here. We just delete those. And then the next cut to the next scene, he's dead because those bad people have presumably come after him. I don't know. But they find the notes that he's been taking in his books, which I also love because it's just ghosts yelling pig rot at him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the kind of white noise stuff I want. It's just ghosts yelling nonsense instead of like, here's exactly what you need to do. Just yeah. ghosts 
just ghosts yelling lampshade. And like, what the <laughs> hell is that? You could have them say more terrifying things, but it's just like, no, you're a pig. You're pig rot. Rot pig. <laughs> I, mean, I, guess I guess that's they don't like him. So they kill I, him. I guess <laughs> they don't explain how because uh, well, I don't know, because they they say that they have to influence people to do their dirty work because they're just three dead shadow people on the other side. But then also the end of the movie proves they're pretty capable of doing stuff themselves. Yeah. So I don't understand. But yeah, the back half just becomes the wife telling Michael Keaton, hey, someone's going to die. You, it's just becomes like kind of like a final destination thing. Like people are going to die here. You have to go and intervene. And so he saves, um, well, there's a mom and her baby. They're trapped. Like she's run into an electrical pole. That scene was brutal and there was no preparation for it. <laughs> and he saves the, the baby, but not the mom. And then at the funeral, he goes up to the dad and he's like, hey, do you want to like come hang out and watch some white noise with me? And maybe we can talk to your dead wife. And the dad correctly says, look, I'm happy for what you did, but maybe never talk to me again. Yeah. Which is the exact right response. Yeah. And then. Oh, my God. What draws him to the I guess the wife just tells him like, hey, you got to go to this warehouse. Yeah. Because the guy who killed me. Is that this warehouse? Well, in between, there's the um, there's Sarah Tate who's with him. And then that's when they realize that she is being projected in the white noise as well. And so that's when they assume like, OK, this is all foreshadowing what's who the next victim is. And then I think I don't know if I watch this correctly, but there's also a cop involved in all of this. And he shows up at the end and I think he sees Michael Keaton in the white noise and it's predicting that he's going to die. I don't know. Is that, that sounds that sounds right? I couldn't really understand it because I couldn't really see what was the what the white noise was trying to tell. I would be so bad at this. <laughs> like, oh no. I would, I would just get <laughs> frustrated, I think. Like I would yeah. bail so fast because I just wouldn't have the patience for like, wait, what does that mean? It's like this is boring. Well, that's one of the things that doesn't make sense to me. It's that Michael Keaton is very like nonchalantly being like, oh, yes, absolutely. This would obviously be the rational thing that would be happening. Dead people talking to me through my gadgets. And he just goes for it where I would say no. And I'm going to get rid of all my gadgets now. I'm yep. not talking to ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. So do we even. Okay. So Sarah ends up in the hospital. Because she gets possessed by the bad guys. Yeah. And, and jumps she, off a balcony. She, she, I don't, they, mm, again, this, this part doesn't make sense because they see her. So they're like, oh, you're the next person. And so they spend a night in a hotel room together. And Michael Keaton is supposed to be watching over her to make sure that she's never in danger. And he leaves. And then a possession happens. And then she falls from very high. He probably went to go get high. champagne. I just or have to go poop. for a minute. I, I assume when somebody says that, it's a bathroom emergency. <laughs> nope. It's always, I have to go get champagne. I have to go get champagne. But then she falls from very high up off of a ledge. And then she's not fine, but she survives. <laughs> yeah, she's alive. And, Which, at the, and, and then the hospital for the rest of the movie. I don't think that is correct. Because uh, Michael Keaton falls from the same height. And spoiler well, alert. 
<laughs> dies. <laughs> yes, but also the ghost people pick him up and put him in a tornado and <laughs> right. break a lot of his limbs. Oh, that's in a shockingly again. brutal sequence that just it's unnecessary. Okay, so he ends up at this warehouse <laughs> if because a, a woman who has gone missing, he sees her face on uh, in the thing and gets a, a, and a message to go to the this warehouse. And go he, and go he, now. I hate he, that. <laughs> but also yeah, and he also finds out that this the guy who is holding this woman captive is the same person who killed his wife. Yeah. I see <sighs> That's the thing that ruined that moment for me because whoever the woman is who's chained to her chair, she's doing a great job acting. But then they have this like back and forth between the dude and Michael Keaton where like you don't get to figure things out. It's just told to you. He's like, I'm the person who did this. I killed your wife. Me. (laughs) I did it. Me. But then what happened What's so brutal is that early on, like when the wife dies, you have the cops telling Michael Keaton I always want to say telling Batman <laughs> what happened and how she died. And it was, she got pushed, <laughs> which is hilarious and fell on some rocks and that didn't do it. It was that she became immobile, still alive. And then the tide of the river slowly crept up and you are just like, okay, we did not establish any type of horror in this way yet. This is a family wholesome movie. And yet that's the description you're giving me of her death. <laughs> it's just so unnecessarily. <laughs> it's unnecessary. And it's kind of the same, like the whole movie, there's no levity or like moments of like humor, which again, you don't need in horror, but it's just such a, like, I'm fine with sad horror. There's tons of it that's super well done. This just isn't. <laughs> it's, I think it's a it's depressing cause... atmosphere, just that it's just depressing. Like it, there's. But Not you get very static or... characters. Like there's no character development. Michael Keaton is just Michael Keaton. And I think I don't like him that much as an actor anymore because of this movie. Because, okay, that's not fair. <laughs> let me let me just say my piece. Uh, <laughs> he kept doing his Batman stance. Um, and whenever something shocking happened, his reaction was this. <laughs> he just takes both of his hands and covers the bottom half of his face. And I think Sprite is so he doesn't laugh. There would be more of a like you'd have to see him breaking and you never see him break. You just see him have like the very calm, relaxed dad, like, oh my God. <laughs> what a thing to happen. And I couldn't do it because in like the really critical moments, that's his go-to reaction. And I was like, oh Michael Keaton, like I just give me feel more. like horror. <laughs> I mean, obviously Beetlejuice, but that's horror comedy, so it's fine. Yeah. Uh, I love, 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 love Michael Keaton. He's probably one of my favorite actors. Um, yeah, okay. this is obviously not his not his best. I feel like at the time, I, I'm going to pull up his filmography because I feel like at the time White Noise came out, it was kind of exciting to see Michael Keaton again because there was mm. definitely a period there where we didn't see much of him. And then he kind of had his his renaissance in the last few years where he's he's done a lot of really good work. Like I actually I don't, I forget. correct my statement. I don't think he was good. I lost respect for him acting in this movie, but then I remember he was in Birdman and that was fantastic. Yeah. So around the time this was happening, yeah, he really wasn't doing much. Like he did a couple of TV appearances. 
But for a good four or five years, he didn't do much. And then he did the Katie Holmes movie, First Daughter. And then this. So it definitely kind of felt like, okay, I'm easing myself back in. I'm going to do Herbie fully loaded and I'm going to do this. (laughs) And then you start to see things, you know, get better and better for him. And then like, okay, Birdman. Mm -hmm. The founder, that was a good movie. Spider-Man. Yeah. So things start to pick up. But at this time, I think it was just, oh my God, Michael Keaton is the lead in a movie. That's cool. But uh, yeah, it's not, I mean... I don't know how many people you could give this script to and have them, you know, really hit the material out of the park because it's, there's not much there. Like you said, there's no real character development. We don't really see him grieving Mm -hmm. the loss of his wife. There's a time jump so we can get right past that. There's a montage of his anger with no warning whatsoever. (laughs) That's true too. Like we don't ever see, he spends a lot of the movie alone. Yeah. Looking at a television set. We don't see his relationship really with his ex-wife or his deceased wife or his son. We, Yeah. And that was something that bothered me because early on they set up this plot point, which I thought was going to be continued in the movie. But the wife who dies, Anna Rivers, who dies in a river, um, she writes a book about ghosts and about what what is the term the EVPs, which yeah. allows her to let, which is what the movie is about, listening to people through EVPs. And I assumed that when she came back from the dead, it was gonna be more, there's gonna be more instruction, or Michael Keaton was gonna go to her research that she's done and figure out, like, oh, my wife was super smart, and here's how I'm gonna solve the mysteries. But they don't give her that authority like she's an authority on this subject but they don't give her any sort of attention in that sort of way and michael keaton just becomes the expert on his own well he doesn't even really do that everyone just tells him what to do like well he never has to solve a mystery that guy tells him what to do and then the dead people tell him exactly what to do and where to go like yeah there needs to be there needed to be a bit more i think of just a spiral as we see him like really this stuff start to take over and affect his life, but we don't, we don't see any of that. Or also any question of, is he insane? Like, is he actually, we know very quickly that this is actually happening. People are communicating. And I think like, it's almost like the movie has a stake in the EVP industry because it even opens with text saying, this is a very real thing. Like this is a phenomenon that is absolutely something. I thought those opening I guess they're not really credits, but that that opening Title and they're card explaining or whatever, stuff. Yeah, yeah there that was effective. I enjoyed that part. There's, it was dated a little bit, but it was good. There's potential in the idea, kind of. It's just I don't know. It just kind of just falls back on basic. Look, we're gonna throw a few jump scares in. We'll open in January. We'll make some money. Mm-hmm. A phenomenon that hasn't ended because we did the bye bye man which last week, which came out 12 years later. And it was basically the same thing. We'll open in January. We'll have some jump scares. We'll make our money back. It'll be fine. Yeah. So instead of, Hey, what if we made a really good movie based on this kind of unique concept? No. What if we, instead, let's just put Michael Keaton in a room and he'll look at a television set and occasionally go, (laughs) (laughs) and we'll call it a movie. Not his finest acting reaction no (laughs) and then at the end uh we'll kill him (laughs) for no reason for no reason it seems like 
they hint, oh, well, now he's reunited with his wife because the very last shot of the movie is them kind of faintly appearing in the static, but they don't look happy. It's not like they're embracing. Is that what that was? That's what that was. (laughs) But it's not like they're embracing or being like, oh, it's so nice to see you again. It just looks like they're both looking out and going, well, now we're both stuck here. Yeah. Yeah. And that, we need to talk about the ending because it just, it doesn't just end with ghosts attacking. Well, I don't know. Are they ghosts? What are they? Are they energy? I, they don't really say they're ghosts, but also maybe demons. They're bad things in the white noise. That's about all we get. There's they can three... possess people. Oh, yeah. But I, yeah, it doesn't really say. Just three evil shadow Dudes. entities that maybe they oh, yeah. were planning to expand on in the later white noise films. <laughs> but but so, so they're in the warehouse and then Michael Keaton's going to try and save this woman. And they were like, oh, no, you don't. And then, like you say, they do a tornado of ghost stuff around Michael Around him. (laughs) Lift him up in the air in the tornado, break his arms and legs. And then he falls to his death. Yeah, so that the SWAT team who shows up thinks he just fell to his death and that he didn't. We know he ended up in a ghost tornado, but they don't. And then they shoot the guy who we didn't say. The movie makes this big deal that it was the guy from his construction team who helped them out of the elevator and we go okay (laughs) i barely remember that happening so neat that was poorly done i I, that would be i think that would be going back to what you said maybe there's more material that they just cut where he plays a bigger role because dude is not there for a whole lot of that movie (laughs) nope like to make it a big twist it needs to be a character that we didn't see one time and then completely forget about yeah like when i'm glad they showed me the flashback because when i saw his face i didn't get any recognition out of it so at least they had they edited in the flashback to go don't you remember he's the guy when they got stuck in the elevator he helped michael keaton out of the elevator and i go okay yeah i do remember that it's still okay see i it's not like like if it's his ex-wife's new husband or something that would have been something but i just i I don't know. They they brought me back to that moment and they said he had done this. I'm like, oh, okay. But when I first saw that elevator scene where he gets stuck, because that's one of the first times his wife is trying to contact him by calling him from the beyond. And so they get stuck in the elevator and his reaction to getting stuck, again, not a final, like his finest acting reaction, but he just goes, whoops. <laughs> and the elevator gets stuck and the lights go out. And then he sees the wife calling him and she's dead now. And he has no reaction except confusion. And I would be, one, I don't like elevators. So that would be a thing. But he's way too calm for all of this. And I was so caught up on just like, I don't feel like I fully understand what's happening if he's this calm that I didn't even see the doors open and the guy say something. (laughs) Yeah, so then that twist was completely, I I don't even really want to call it a twist. It's not not a a twist. twist. It's just a a lazy Yeah, it's a lazy filler, I would say. Oh, that sounds so rude. I don't want to... And then they're at his funeral, and then he comes (laughs) over the radio through the white noise to say to his son, sorry that I went and got myself killed in a ghost tornado, and now you have no parents. That wasn't very great of me as a dad. He's got one parent. He's got got one. Yeah, that's true. He's just got no stepmom and no dad now. That was the uh, most one. I guess I don't know. There's a lot of hilarious moments. I still think Anna Rivers dying in a river was hilarious, but the ending was pretty funny because 
like the kid's reaction this is also going to sound rude. Like, I guess he was the wrong kid to do it or they wrote in the wrong reaction for him. But he hears his dead dad over the radio and you think, oh, that kid's going to need lots of therapy. And he just smiles. He's like, that's my dad. Yeah, dad's on the radio. <laughs> and Neat. would he fully understand? Like, if he was a bit older, that's the thing. If they wrote him a bit older and they watched his dad getting these TVs and static electricity together, it would make more sense. But he's so young that when, you know, you see that moment and the dad is just there on the radio, like, I'm sure a kid, he wouldn't get yeah, it. <laughs> maybe if the son was older, saw all this. And then at the end, you know, it hints, oh, the cycle's going to continue and the it's son's going to become obsessed yeah. with listening to his dad on the white noise. But instead, it just almost feels like, you know what, this ending's a little too sad, so we'll throw in this little beat, and then we see them in the static to show, oh, they're together now, but again, like I said, it didn't look like they looked happy. And but then it doesn't the end there. It ends with the wind. <laughs> well, technically, it ends with the most Canadian way a, movie, a Canadian production can end, with an Our Lady Peace song over the end Oh, credits. I didn't notice that. Okay. <laughs> as soon as that kicked in, I laughed, because it, it's... It's well, one, the most, you know, it's at the, especially at that time, the most Canadian band to end a Canadian movie. But mm. the song, which I know because I, I actually used to quite like that song, is weirdly upbeat. So when it kicks in over the credits, it's strange because it I was doesn't just happy match to see totally. the credits. So I was like, okay, finally done. <laughs> I just yes, locked out of we, there. <laughs> we did it. I listened <laughs> to that song because I was like, I haven't heard this song in. 15 years and then weirdly enough they played it on the radio the next morning when i was going to get groceries oh maybe it's white noise oh um, i just turned it off it's like i don't need to i don't need any of that no but it like the 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 kid drives away in his car and you you get the shot of him driving away and then sarah tate is just there still alive and then in a wheelchair she, in a wheelchair and you watch her watch the wind in the trees and well, then it's supposed hears, to be the ghosts i think it's insinuating that those three ghosts are still haunting her in case we thought maybe she would be okay it's like no she, there's still something happening if but she, she looks quickly up, turns to her side and and then it cuts to the credits so is she dead did they kill her in broad daylight <laughs> it all intended for white noise too i guess except that ended up a very different thing yeah can yeah. I can I read you my notes? My first yes. set of notes that I have. So the first thing is personalities. That's it. Because the blurb at the beginning just says your personalities continue into the afterlife. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I need to work on my personality. Which that's explains, the only thing that survives. <laughs> I guess that explains why everyone's just kind of boring then in the afterlife. And then I have Michael Keaton in the house question mark. Um and I only I only had one earphone working, so I wrote this could probably be scarier if I heard more of it. That's and, fair. And then big bowl of fruit on the table that nobody's eating. What a waste. And then the final one from the beginning of the movie is turtleneck and blazer. Is that a thing that we all enjoyed? In 2005, that was the look. <laughs> when you saw someone in a turtleneck in your blazer walking down the street or a blazer, if they were in your blazer, there's a problem. If you saw someone in a turtleneck and blazer walking down the street, you go, that's someone who has their shit together. That is, I just would, I look at that and go, oh, that's a, that's a sweaty mess of an outfit. I would say. That's also that. <laughs> that's too many layers for any weather. Yeah. Stop it. <laughs> uh, so I took a lot of good, 
good notes. <laughs> it's more than I took. Um, yeah, this one was a bummer. Like I said, 17 years ago, I, I remember quite liking it. Maybe it's because it's been 17 years and I've seen so many more horror movies that this one has almost no tricks up its sleeve except for loud noise. Something appears in the static. That's it. I think it might be a good intro. If you really can't handle scary movies, maybe you would enjoy this. It's but got having... a lot of loud jump scares, so you be become pretty desensitized by the end, so maybe. They're all the same jump scares, though. The phone rings yep. randomly, and then there's something in the television. Like, yep. even that description is more terrifying than what happens in the movie. Yeah, it's too bad, because I still think... I don't, it's the rare movie you couldn't make now again, because I don't think anyone would know like what, what is white noise? Just turn the, just like. Oh, you know, Hollywood has that script. That's the next big movie they're going to remake. <laughs> remake of white noise. Yeah. Imagine we've all been clamoring for that. When people aren't used to white noise, like they're just they looking just, at their laptops and then it's just static and they're like, what is this? Or there's nothing, smart even, TVs. <laughs> nothing even appears in it. It's just the concept of not being able to watch anything. Why can't I stream the show? <laughs> There's a new Kardashians and I just see static. The horror. Because <laughs> they wouldn't know what static is. So it'd just be like the TV's broken. <laughs> yeah. It's, fuzzy stuff. It's the, the idea is there for something. It's just they don't do it. Like it just like we said, it ends up with a lot of Michael Keaton alone in a room looking at a television set and occasionally a creepy noise happens. And then the back half with, hey, I know something's going to happen and I'm going to rescue people. Is this, we've seen this before and it's not being done well. Like it would have been more interesting to just get rid of that stuff and just stick with one man's kind of obsession and how it is affecting everyone around him, which mm -hmm. that's not the movie they wanted to make. That's fine. But the one that they made is just kind of scattershot and doesn't make a lot of sense. And I think it became a movie about I think it became a Michael Keaton appreciation film. Like, given what you said, like it's been a while since he had done anything. And I think the biggest the biggest thing getting the audience there was like, remember Michael Keaton? And so <laughs> that's what got us there. I'm positive. And it, it is. It's just like, yeah, there's Michael Keaton. Okay, yeah, he's doing Michael Keaton stuff. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, that was my reaction the whole time. It's like, yeah, Michael Keaton is here. <laughs> yeah, Michael Keaton is here. He's in almost every scene. <laughs> so, you, yeah, you got your January horror movie for the teens, and then you get the adults by going, hey, remember Batman? And we go, we do. That's the OG Batman. Let's go see this. <laughs> but I think they were trying to, like, not up the sex appeal, but for the older crowds, <laughs> they would have been like, look, he's a wholesome family man who's 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 going through a bit of a depression, a depressive state. Isn't that hot? And people went, uh-huh. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> Give me more of that <laughs> turtleneck blazer combo. <laughs> mm -mm -mm. Those are so those armpits is smelly under there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's white noise. Probably don't watch it. Mm -mm. This is, uh, yeah, this one was a bummer for me. Like when I first pitched to you, like, oh, let's do white noise. I was in that moment excited because I remembered it being good. So we'll have to find remember, something better for your next one. I remember being afraid of the concept of it because that was like back in the day when I started watching SNL. So it would be late at night and that's when they would play the horror movie or the thriller movie ads to be like, this movie's coming. And I would just be on the couch like, no, make it stop. 
And now I'm just like, oh, who was that woman? <laughs> that actually might have been a way better jump scare if he just at one point wasn't watching the white noise and the white noise kept trying to break through. So if he was just watching regular television and then all of a sudden a screaming static face came, that would have been a good jump scare. But instead, as soon as he starts leaning in, you go, okay, well, something's going to happen. Yeah. And it does. And then yeah. you learn the formula and then no other jump scare works because you've, you've figured it out. So yeah, it just, it just kind of feels disappointing lazy um the director's still around he's doing mostly television stuff now obviously michael keaton is still michael keaton he's on (laughs) perhaps like on the most on top of his game he's been in a while uh there's not really anyone else i'll see if the writer wait what award did this win no a golden trailer award and (laughs) It was nominated in 2005 for a Teen Choice Award for Choice Movie Scary Scene. And as though to prove our point perfectly, it's Michael Keaton in Jonathan Stares at TV Static When Spirits Appear. No. There's a few of those. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it did not win that. Uh, It did win a Golden Fleece Award for, I guess trailer being the nicest trailer? horror movie alive I don't what, under- is, what is a golden fleece award i have no idea i've never even heard of it i don't even know it if the teen made choice awards still exist i assume they must Let's oh they the- do because keenan thompson is always i think he was the latest host uh, okay yeah um the writer nope not much uh says he's got a couple things in pre-production but after this yeah, he did not do a lot more things. He wrote something called Keeping Mum, which is actually quite well-reviewed. And mum is spelled M-U-M, so I guess it also could mean, like, staying quiet. But oh. Patrick Swayze was in it. Maggie Smith looks like she plays the mum. Rowan Atkinson, Kristen Scott Thomas. It's a really good cast. So Damn. I've never heard of this movie, but apparently it's well-reviewed. So if you want to see what the writer of... Uh, White and he directed it, so there you go. <laughs> Maybe White Noise he just wrote for the money because it looked like his true passion was in clever British comedies. So mm. who knows? Yeah, Maybe White sense. Noise was a paycheck. Yeah, that's the other thing too. Like especially early two thousands, Hollywood is very much telling you what to do. So I guess. Maybe he got the instruction. Michael Keaton got the instruction to do the oh no, clasps hands over mouth. <laughs> I still think he was just trying not to laugh. Because <laughs> it was probably someone off camera going, boo! And he was just like, oh, oh no. <laughs> well, Kim, what's something you're currently enjoying? Uh, this is noise? probably going to be the first time I don't mention a movie or a TV show, but I'm reading Sarah Polly's new book, uh, Run Towards the Danger. And I'm like, I bought it when it first came out at the beginning of March, and I've only had time to start it yesterday. Uh, and it's really interesting. If there's any Sarah Polly fans out there, she's an incredible writer, which I didn't know. Um, this is yeah. fiction then? It's kind of mixing both reality and fiction. It's a bunch okay. of essays uh, based off of her life. So you learn like a lot of, I guess, not just traumatizing moments, but some hard and difficult moments of her life. But she's playing around with the idea that memory is faulty so some of this is fictional and it's just a really cool concept for a for a book i think yes uh i'm gonna go real hard at mine 
because uh, I got two, and I'm scared if I don't mention them now, it, like the next record, I'm so I'm just gonna mention both, and then maybe in the next record I'll just mention them again. Uh, it's been a really good week at the movies. On Wednesday, I saw the advanced screening of The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent, which is the new movie where Nick Cage plays Nick Cage. And it is, it's everything that I wanted that movie to be. It's <laughs> really funny. Uh, him and Pedro Pascal are hilarious together. It's like, it does the meta stuff really well without being like too obnoxious about hey look how clever we are and it name drops again a lot of nick cage stuff but in a way that it, it doesn't take away i'm looking from, it up right now from the movie but uh yeah it was super good it was actually it was just fun to be in a crowd for a comedy in a theater which i don't remember the last time i've really done a good there's like probably like 40 people there and like everyone was just laughing and having a good time and it was kind of fun just to be in a room of people laughing away at a fun movie that just like, unlike white noise, which is just isn't like the worst unbearable weight of massive talent. It's just like 95 minutes of fun. And, and that was good. But uh, in a week where I would have normally just been like, this is it. This is my 100% recommendation. Go see that movie. It's not out yet. It comes out April 22nd. But when it oh. does come out, you should go see it. But the one I'm going to really, really hammer on because I haven't recorded since I saw it is Everything Everywhere all at once, which you probably maybe already saw my post on Facebook. Oh, I saw when it the, on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> when the credits for that started to roll, I looked at my friend who I went with and I went, this seems insane that I'm about to say this, but I think that's one of the best movies I've ever seen. <gasps> and as someone who sees a ton of movies and almost had, almost had given up on the idea of seeing a new movie that penetrated my all-time favorite list. I like ruminated it for it on a bit and was like, yeah, like, I think that's that. I think it's there. Like that, that thought hasn't gone away. My wife saw it last night. She won't give it that status, but she's like, yeah, it was really good. <laughs> uh, it's every, it, it is everything everywhere. It's, it's super funny. The drama works really well. The performances are incredible. There's insanely well choreographed like martial arts fights and action sequences. Michelle Yeoh, mm -hmm. like if they don't remember this movie, it's kind of a bummer because the Oscars ended it. Then like a week later, this movie came out. So I really hope they remember it come Oscar time because she should win like immediately. <laughs> I don't even know why you bother putting other nominees up. It should just be like her five times and then she just gets it by default. Uh, yeah, wow. It's, it's just, it's so good. It's so incredibly unique. Like it's just scene after scene of like when my wife came home yesterday, it was just like, and then remember this part and then remember this part, like every single scene is basically its own individual unique moment, but it done in a way that's accessible. Like it's a weird art film, but very mainstream. It's just an insane tightrope act that the writers and directors nailed. Hmm. I cannot recommend this movie enough. Go I really see, want to it. see it. That actually it's incredible. I I do want to sort of give a shout out for a movie that I watched a few weeks ago, but I forgot I saw it. But I did listening to your passion. I remember being passionate about this one. I think it's called The Worst Person in the World. Oh yeah, I still have to see that one. It's really. It's a really interesting concept. There's a really good scene where people take mushrooms. Um, 
and they go on this like sort of acid trip, which was kind of interesting, but it's a really good premise and a really good plot and a really good story. And it was, it kind of had me just sit down for like the rest of the day and think about my life. <laughs> that everything everywhere all at once may do that as well. I think I'm going to check it out. I think I can uh... see that movie <laughs> triggering a lot of existential crisis. Crises. Crises. Multiple crises. I always say that word wrong and people always pause and correct me. Yeah. How do you say it normally? Like what is one crisis? Crisis? Crisis. Okay. I feel like plural would be crises. (laughs) That sounds insanely wrong. I feel like I say that for one crisis. (laughs) It can't be crises, (laughs) but maybe it is. That sounds okay when I said it. Yeah. I don't know. It's one of those Uh, words. You just don't know. I guess send us an email at like this podcast at gmail.com because right now it's it's mostly just like monthly newsletters and subscriptions. Although I feel bad I don't log into it enough. And then sometimes I do and I see that someone did email and I'm like, oh sorry. Um, and then I'll respond and be like, I'm really sorry. Thank you for the nice things you said. So I'll, I'll make a habit of checking that more, I promise. Yeah, you better. Um that's white noise. So let's mm-hmm. go enjoy the rest of our long weekend free of white noise. Uh, thank you, Kim, for watching White Noise, coming to discuss it. The discussion was way more fun than the movie itself. Yeah, the movie is it is just bad. It's just so bad. bad. I'll find you a better horror movie for our next one. Yeah, especially or, or coming like, off of Malignant. It's like, this is where you led me? I thought I was doing a good one. I really <laughs> did. Malignant, I was pretty confident about. But, you know, this one I had seven. I was 17 years removed from. This one is actually more what this show is supposed to be. <laughs> Almost exactly. You hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it forever, but remembered it being good. Sometimes you roll the dice and it doesn't work out. I just kind of love how it's mostly just you pitching ideas. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Like I contribute nothing. I'm true. Yeah. Let it be known. I'm trying to give you good things. I'm not going to purposely dupe you and be like, ah, jokes on you. I knew this was bad. No, it's always good Um, to watch like a not so great movie. Cause it like, there's still moments to appreciate about it. Like I, th- I just thought there were moments that were hilarious in this film. Yeah. So I had a good laugh, I would say. Well, that's, that's important too. <laughs> um, yeah. Go check out our other stuff. That paranormal activity series is in editing. So that'll be out <gasps> soon. And so you'll get to hear the, the definitive ranking of seven paranormal activity movies. That thing was a beast to do. So get ready for that. And of course, uh, Kim is going to take us out with a classic, the most memorable white noise quote, the one that everyone remembers from the movie, the 2005 thriller White Noise. Yeah. And I think it's just like the, you know, this, um, you know, the line where the static, the ghost talks to go. Is it just the static? (laughs) It's just the. That's white noise. Let me do my Michael Keaton class. (laughs) Thank you for sticking around for our dramatic audio reading of the film White Noise. See you all next week with, uh, it's an episode that that I can say.